Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. With that, I will introduce our, our guest speaker this morning, our guest preacher this morning, Reverend Lynn B. Benson. She is currently appointed as Director of Legacy Giving with the United Methodist Foundation. Lynn is a deacon in full connection with the North Carolina Annual Conference. And as a 2013 graduate of Duke Divinity School, Lynn received a Master's of Divinity with a concentration in Christian education. Lynn's undergraduate degree is in business finance from East Carolina University. And Lynn served as the Christian Education Director at Rosemary UMC in Roanoke Rapids before joining United Methodist Foundation in 2016. The opportunity to serve with the foundation is allowing Reverend Benson to connect her passion for finance, uh, particularly stewardship, with her education and experience in Christian education. Reverend Benson has been married to her high school sweetheart, Marty, for 36 years. Together they have a son, Gray, daughter, Lily, son-in-law, Lee, and a grandson named Luke. And in her spare time, Lynn leads small group classes in personal finance, spends time gardening, and enjoys praying in color. Hmm, interesting. With that, I'll let Lynn come in and take over. Well, let me say one thing before uh, we jump into the sermon, and that is, I won't embarrass you, but I wonder if I ask people in this room, do you have a will, and has it been updated or reviewed in the last 10 years, how many of you would raise your hand? And if it's not 100% of you, then you're breaking my heart. <laughs> Everybody 18 and older needs a will. So come to the luncheon today, as well as the Will's Workshop, and just learn about why you need a will, why your mother needs a will, why your daughter needs a will. Come and learn about that. In addition to, you'll hear some ways that you might also give to the endowment here. But my goal is for every United Methodist, from Burlington to the coast, to have a will before I retire. I have about... 11 years before I plan on retiring. So help me out today by coming and learning and maybe getting yours together or updated, okay? So good morning, how are you? And now you would say, how are you? How are you? Oh, thank you for asking, thank you for asking. I am enthusiastic, I am enthusiastic, or at least that's what I wanna be, okay? Because the root words that make up our word enthusiastic come from the Greek in theos, in God, theos, in God's spirit, in Jesus' spirit, in the Holy Spirit. That's who I am. That's who I want to be. But you know, I don't always feel enthusiastic. Like this morning when the alarm clock went off. Whew. <laughs> Crawling out of the bed, first thing, not usually enthusiastic. But as I'm making my way to the coffee pot, anybody else drink coffee first thing? Okay, as I'm making my way to the coffee pot each morning, I've learned this little song that I kind of sing under my breath so I don't bother anybody, but it helps me begin my day setting my focus on enthusiasm. It goes like this. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind 
stayed on Jesus. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. And just by putting that little tune in my head, those words in my mind, first thing, I'm, I'm there. I'm enthusiastic. I'm in God's spirit. I'm ready to get on with my day. So most mornings I would get ready, climb in the car, head into Garner where we have our office, and I'd do the things that you do, answering emails and phone calls and attending meetings. And about mid-morning, I need a pick-me-up, right? So I'm on my way to the... Thank you. I have some coffee people among us. Wonderful. And on my way to the coffee pot, I, I bring that that back into my mind. I bring that song back into my mind. Well, I'm singing and praising with my mind. Come on, you can sing it. Stayed on Jesus. I'm singing and praising with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. I'm singing and praising with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. And just like that, I'm back in it. You see, the work that I get to do for the foundation, I want to do in Theos. I want to do in God's spirit. I want everything that I say, everything that I think, the, the ways that I'm acting and reacting to be Christ-like. And for me, that little tune helps. Maybe it's a verse for you. Maybe it's another song. Maybe you have another way. But we need things like that to remind us who and whose we are throughout the day. So I finish up my day, and I get on with um, getting back, to, back home. And so as I pull in the driveway and I go through the front door, I open the door, and there he is, our 18-pound beagle. And he has missed me. Do you know how beagles let you know that they've missed you? A lot of yapping. <laughs> They're very yappy dogs. Where have you been all day? I'm hungry. Take me for a walk. So I do it, I change my shoes, and I grab the leash, and here we go. I'm walking and talking with my mind. Stayed on Jesus, I can't hear you. I'm walking and talking with my mind. Stayed on Jesus, I'm walking and talking with my mind. Stayed on Jesus, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. And just like that, throughout my day, I have reminded myself who and whose I am, done my work in a way that I think honors God. So ask me again, how are you? How are you? I'm enthusiastic. How are you? There we go. Now we can get started. Wonderful, wonderful. I am enthusiastic, and I do enjoy the way that I get to serve with United Methodist Foundation. We sum it up like this. We are helping God's people pay it forward. Helping God's people pay it forward. Because that's what God did for us. God paid it forward through God's Son, Jesus. And when we know that, we can't help but be devoted to God and full of gratitude. Grateful disciples are generous disciples, paying it forward every chance we get. This is our 60th anniversary brochure we created a few years ago, and I want to share this quote that we included at the top of it with you. It says, someone sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. 
Someone's sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. Now, we're quoting Warren Buffett in that, um, with that quote. And Warren Buffett is a person who realizes that trees, like legacies, are grown over time. And when we've been careful to plant trees in the past, others will enjoy their shade down the road. You see, you and I are planting our legacies every day, right now. The question is, what kind of legacy are you planting? Now, you might say you're planting a legacy rooted in biblical principles. I think lots of us might say that, and I think some of us might be mistaken. So how many of you have heard it said, money is the root of all evil? Have you heard that said? Okay. How about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Have you heard that one? Okay. Now, are these statements found in the Bible? No. No. But they kind of sound like they could be from the Bible, don't they? In fact, some people may have told us that they were in the Bible. And as a result, it's a little confusing. In fact, Albert Moeller, writing for Christianity.com, went through a few more findings, and I quote, A Barna poll indicated that at least 12% of adults believed that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Another survey of high school graduating seniors revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom was married to Gomorrah. And a considerable number of respondents to the poll indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was first preached by Billy Graham. You see, based on these findings, we could be in big trouble (laughs) if we are living today and planning for tomorrow based on things we think are biblical but in fact are not. Today, I invite you to consider with me how our beliefs are, in fact, crafting our legacy. Today, we're going to explore the legacy of three biblical characters. No doubt we can identify with all three. I know I can. However, there's only one by which I want to model my life and my legacy. Let's pause for prayer. Eternal God, in our baptismal liturgy, we are reminded that because you are eternal, Your church is also eternal. This truth gives us hope for the future. Today, as we dig into your word, open our hearts and our minds to the hope and the future you have for us to prosper us and not to harm us. May your eternal hope fill our hearts with joy as we hear what you have to say to us today. In the name of our everlasting God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And in this text, we are going to be listening for one of the three legacy spirits. In this one, we are listening for the legacy spirit of pride. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. 
Our first scripture lesson today from the Gospel of Luke is no doubt a familiar story to many of us, a story of two sisters and their very different reactions to being with Jesus. Robert Morris speaks about their reactions in his book, The Blessed Life, and I want to reflect on that a bit this morning. So let's begin with Martha's reaction. Martha's is a reaction full of pride. Now, we've all been there. We've all done it. We've worked hard. We created something wonderful. We earned our pay. We patted ourselves on the back and said, I did it all by myself. I went out and I worked hard. I closed the deal. I made the sale. I taught a great class. I earned every penny that I received, and I can now do what I want to with it. I have had this spirit on more than one occasion, and I can easily fall back into it because I believe in hard work. I learned hard work as a child. My dad and mom were children of the Great Depression who grew up on farms where growing crops was a means of feeding the family. So as an adult, my dad loved gardening and he was good at it. Every summer we had a huge garden and we ate most of what we grew while mother canned and froze what was left over so we'd have more for the winter. Gardening, especially with a perfectionist gardener like my dad, was hard work. We did not have grass in the rows or in the middle of the rows, not on his watch. Vegetables were harvested daily at their peak, which ensured good food to eat and more of it in the future, since picking the crop helps bear new fruit. And if you lived at my dad's house, well, you were up at 6 a.m., you ate your breakfast in a hurry, and you got out to the garden in the cool of the day to start doing whatever needed to be done, picking tomatoes, butter beans, corn, digging potatoes, whatever was coming off. And picking was just the first step. Then it had to be prepared, washed, shucked, shelled, so that when mother came home for work, we could can or freeze. I learned a lot about the benefits of hard work from summer spent in my parents' garden. The spirit of pride makes us believe that what we have our bank accounts, our homes, our beautiful lawns, even our beautiful gardens only come from hard work and a force and force of will. Such a spirit is a performance-based attitude that will cause us to believe that the good things we have, even our spiritual growth, is 100% tied to our efforts. I know this because I have spent time cultivating this attitude way too often. And it's not hard to find Bible verses that support this attitude. If you don't work, you don't eat. We find that in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. The diligent prosper. We find that in Proverbs 13.4. When you're faithful with a little, more is given you to manage. We see that in Luke 16. And you reap what you sow. We turn to Galatians 6.7 for that one. I love verses like this because I appreciate hard work. And I believe these passages exalt the need to work hard and to be diligent in the work that God's given you and me to do. But here's what else I know to be true. My dad had no question about where the water came from that watered his garden. You see, he knew he could work that land, plant those seeds, keep it clean of weeds, but all that hard work would be for nothing if God didn't provide the rain. You see, ignoring God's role in our success is a dangerous place to be. 
because it puts the full burden of the outcome on our shoulders, and our shoulders aren't big enough. And that's the trap Martha falls into. Martha is amazing. She's doing it all, and she's doing it right. She's given Jesus her very best work, cooking, cleaning, getting the house ready. She's keeping everyone fed and comfortable. You can picture her running around in the house, if, especially if she was a southern Martha, with a pitcher of sweet tea, right? We'd call her Martha in the south. You see, I love Martha's story because I have been a Martha on more than one occasion. And the truth is, churches need Marthas who are excited about hard work. And there's nothing wrong with hard work. But here's the issue. Jesus is sitting in her living room. Well, and she's basically vacuuming and asking him to lift his feet. She's missing the point. And that's what happens when the spirit of pride is our legacy. We think that what we have, our money, our wealth, our possessions, even God's favor and blessing, even Jesus sitting in our living room, comes from our performance. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And we'll listen here for the legacy spirit of poverty. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples... Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. She did not say this because he cared. About, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume. For the day of my burial, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Our second scripture reading from the Gospel of John speaks to the legacy spirit of poverty. Now let me explain what I'm thinking here. I'm remembering back to some of my days at Duke Divinity School. In several classes, we learned about a group of early believers who began to fall away and teach a false gospel. They were called Gnostics, which comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. This group preached that the only things that were pure were those things that were spiritual. If it was physical, if it could be touched, it was unholy. That meant that anything material was inherently evil. Now remember that false verse I began with today, money is the root of all evil, because again, that is not in the scripture. 1 Timothy 6.10, correctly quoted, says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Therefore, it's not about the material thing, the money. It's about our attitude toward the money. You see, the Gnostics among us today, because they are still among us today, try to convince us that material things are inherently evil. A good income, savings, investments, a nice car, a big house, all evil. Now, never mind how much you give away 
or what a good steward you are of what you have. Gnostics point a finger and they say money and wealth are evil. Gnosticism was dangerous back among the early believers and it's dangerous today because it preaches a false gospel. We see this spirit or this attitude of poverty in the John text as we hear Judas' rebuke of Mary. Even though Judas' real motive was to steal the money, he echoed the condemnation that is so common in our own culture. She should have. Oh, she could have. Why didn't she? You see, poverty thinking is always focused on other people's money and possessions, always pointing a finger, always passing judgment on others' others' behaviors. And the spirit of poverty doesn't care how much good someone does, just what they think should have been done differently. Such a legacy spirit is hurtful, it's harmful, it tears people down, it's envious of others' wealth, health, good looks, grades, opportunities, the list goes on. Such a legacy spirit says, if I can't have what you have, then you shouldn't have it either. I can only imagine how crushed Mary was by Judas' comment. Judas is our example of how much pain a poverty legacy spirit can inflict in the present and in the future. Our third legacy spirit is that of gratitude and generosity. And this is the one we want to be our legacy. The spirit of gratitude and generosity says that all we have is from God and still belongs to God. This is the spirit that I want to have now and the one I want to be remembered for having. And this is what I pray you aspire to as well. We see this spirit in the actions of Mary in both passages, but most particularly in the John passage. Her spirit is a spirit, a legacy spirit of gratitude and generosity that knows the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and God owns the hills as well. God owns everything and all God asks us to do is to manage it, to take care of it the way God would take care of it. It's not ours, none of it. We are just God's managers. The spirit, this spirit of gratitude also says thank you. And not just for the big stuff, but for the everyday regular things as well. So if those two words come out of your mouth this morning, thank you. We have so much to thank God for and to thank one another for. Just waking up this morning was a blessing from God. Thank you. Resting last night in a comfortable bed, a blessing I know every morning. Thank you, God. The health of my husband and our three children, what a huge blessing. Thank you, God. To know the joy of being a mother and now a mother-in-law, to responsible, adult, mature children, thank you, God. Indeed, I am crazy about responsible, adult, mature children. I really like adult children. In fact, I think I would have started with adult children and just skipped those teenage years. (laughs) All these thank yous before my feet ever hit the floor in the morning. So how about you? Have you thanked God today? Have you thanked another person today? Well, I want us to practice our thank yous for a moment. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to turn to someone and offer them a genuine, sincere thank you. 
Okay? Now, it could be for something that they've done or that they are known for doing. Just being here in worship. With, I mean, it'd be kind of boring if you were just having to sit here by yourself to so thank people for coming to worship, right? And, you know, I've, I'm kind of surveying the room. And, you know, if you can't think of anything else, just thank them for smelling good. I mean, you guys look like you've all showered recently, not too long ago. So, I mean, good hygiene is a lot to be thankful for, right? So, all right, turn to someone and give them a genuine, sincere thank you. Let's practice our thank yous. I know. Look how happy people are to thank each other. All this gratitude in this space, I can only imagine how it pleases our Heavenly Father to hear us and see us doing this. You know, thank you, God, for giving me money to take care of my family and to put food on the table. Thank you for the ability to buy a decent car and go on vacation. Thank you for providing for my needs today and for my retirement in the days ahead. Thank you for putting principles in your holy word, God, to guide me as to how to handle money, how to take care of those in need, and how to care for the world that you've entrusted to us. Thank you for teaching me your way so that I can leave a legacy to my family and my church family that reveals your provision in every day of my life. You see, John 12, 1 through 8, shows us how radically extravagant our gratitude and generosity can be. Now think about it. Go with me here. Judas is disgusted with Mary's sacrifice because it could have been sold for about a year's wages or 300 denarii, depending on your translation. Now today's annual income is somewhere between 45 and 50 grand. Now at that price, ladies, we know that's the good stuff, right? 50 grand worth of perfume, that's the good stuff, not cologne. And you know, that much perfume, any perfume, just a little bit goes a long way. I think that's part of the reason it's so, so expensive because it's so concentrated. So think about this. Mary pours out 50 grand, $50,000 of perfume on Jesus' feet. The smell is throughout the house, the text tells us, and no doubt it's out into the street. I had the opportunity to visit Bethany a few years ago, and this is a warm area of the country, a very warm area, especially right in this text right here before Passover. So no doubt they've got the windows open, the doors open, the, the room is wafting down the road, folks are coming out of their houses, what's going on? Something special is happening for sure. Something special is happening. Everybody knows it. And Jesus' reaction reveals that it's not only special, it's not just an offering, it is an anointing. You see, just days later, Jesus would be laid in a tomb, and three days later, he would be found missing from that same tomb. Somehow I wonder if the sweet smell of Mary's perfume was not still lingering in the tomb that fateful morning. Mary's gift was an extravagant gift from an extravagant spirit of gratitude and generosity. She didn't hold back, overcome with gratefulness. She gave her very best, but not necessarily all she had. Nowhere in the text does it tell us that she became a pauper as a result of her gift, but the text does tell us how pleased Jesus was with her attitude. Forever, Mary's legacy is one of devotion and appreciation of her Lord. 
for Mary's is a spirit of humility. A spirit of humility has a right understanding of myself and my place in the world. It is the opposite of entitlement. Humility recognizes that God is 100% responsible for every blessing, every success, every outcome, every reward in my life. Humility leads to gratitude and generosity. Humility leads you and me to realize not only who owns everything, but also the price that was paid by God when God paid it forward in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. When ours is a spirit of gratitude and generosity, we take good care of everything, including our health and well-being, everything that has been entrusted to us because we know the high price that Jesus paid for us to have life and to have it eternal. You see, you and I are just managers of all that we have. We're not owners. And one day when we join the church triumphant, we will leave a legacy to our family and our church family. And that legacy is being created right now with every thought, with every word, with every action, just as it was for Martha and Judas and Mary. A spirit of gratitude and generosity is my best shot at being like Mary and not like Martha and Judas. I have operated under a spirit of pride and a spirit of poverty, but with God's help, I'm moving away from that, and you can too. Join me in aiming to leave a legacy of gratitude and generosity, of being in theos, enthusiastic. We can do that now through our words and actions in our business dealings, on our job sites, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our homes. We reveal a spirit of gratitude and generosity when our attitude reveals two words over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is thank you the legacy by which you will be remembered? With God's help, may it be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.